Hello, and welcome to the 54th episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. I am Samantha Blackman, an associate professor here at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana. And I'm not feeling very wonderful about either one very right now. Because we're uh, in the middle of an insane storm. <laughs> that, and we're also in the middle of a series of seeming hate crimes on campus. Not uh-huh. seemingly hate crimes, hate crimes. Well, yes, I was, you know, which I people didn't are sensitive about because the police said, "Well, we're not gonna, we're not gonna follow these up because they don't seem like intentional hate crimes." As if, hate as in using using you know racial slurs and derogat and other derogatory shit, writing it all over people, writing it all over the black cultural I'm center. I'm just saying, and, when I write and the anti-racist stuff, posters, I don't mean to. So no big yeah. deal. Well, you know, it's that whole accidental racist shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, like Brad Paisley? Yes, <laughs> and for the record, I want to say that LL Cool J needs the shit smacked out of him. I was, yeah, gonna, I was wondering what you thought about that. Because <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Furthermore, um, Brad Paisley isn't spray-painting white supremacy on the Black Cultural Center. Or write uh, nigger all over the anti-racist no Right, right, exactly. Like, when people go march against it, then they write that shit all over. So Yeah. And, and draw pi- and draw pictures of people hanging from trees. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! I mean, it's just a reasonable That's expression of white power. I'm just saying. It's, yeah. it's seriously like I can't believe I can't believe that shit happens. Well, like, you know what? Ah! I mean, I'll tell you exactly what it's going to take. It's going to take them catching one person that de- that does it and prosecuting them to the full ex- fullest extent years of federal law for people to stop all that shit on campus. Mm-hmm. See, because somebody's doing that shit because they think it's funny. They're, yeah, they're probably like not racist. Not they just no. I don't. No, 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 no. I I doubt that. Yeah, I think I that they are so. racist, but I think that they're doing that shit because they think it's funny. Because I really can't see anybody doing that shit if they're not racist. That's true. I, I guess I just... Uh, they're not the type of racist to that use would... their anger to spray paint on walls. They're, like, sort of inherently based on their cultural racist. Right. And doing it because they think it's funny. Right. But if or they, they do I, it ironically, like, lots of racists, you know. they prosecute the shit out of somebody, they gonna stop. Like with Napster, man. They put someone in jail for like a billion years for downloading shit from Napster, and I stopped. <laughs> I, I didn't. Stop. I don't want to go to prison for a million years. <laughs> I stopped using Napster. That's what I'm saying. I didn't stop downloading yeah. music, but I stopped using Napster. <laughs> oh, that's. Funny. I don't want to hear this. La la la. All right, that's what's going on this week for us. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Welcome, to, well, welcome not only welcome to welcome to Tuesday. All this yeah. shit's going on. It's only Tuesday. It's I know. Only Tuesday. Uh, okay. Anyway, that's been said and done. So, ladies, uh, and I'm joined tonight. As I said, I'm Smith Blackman, and I'm joined tonight by my co-hosts, as I am every podcast night, Alex Lane and Nicole Marie. Ladies, yeah, yay. I was gonna say my 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 Tuesday shitstorm is just a little bit different than your guys's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wa- rocking my, my the music felons. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> rocking the whole strep throat in the middle of what is trying to be spring right now is a bunch of crap. But not, not only that, but Nicole's being the biggest trooper in the world, podcasting with us tonight, so that we don't have to do it on Thursday, which is my poker night. 
um, or on this weekend, which I guess Sam wants to spend with her quote-unquote family, whatever. I guess you have a kid that you care about. Well, fri- well, Friday I'm actually going out with my friends. So. <laughs> okay, so get back. You guess you want to have a quote-unquote life. Um, it's not allowed. So we're getting it on. We're getting it tonight. <laughs> getting it done. But you're being a trooper, I think. Kudos. Well, that we're really not- excited about tonight. Yes. Yeah, well, tonight fun. I'm not as excited about as four nights ago when we recorded our episode. Well, our interview anyway. Well, we're excited about bringing you tonight's content. How's that? That's why we're doing it this week instead of next week, which is what we normally would do with the every other week thing. But uh, the interview that we have coming to you guys is so incredible. We could not wait. Couldn't wait. Has to be done. Absolutely. I'm There's Alex. I missed one. Did I introduce myself? I'm Alex. I'm a PhD candidate, Purdue University. I wrote 700 words and revised a chapter today. So, there we go. Yay! I also spent like 45 minutes training my dogs because they don't respect me because I'm the bottom of the to- of the um, the food chain or whatever. Gotcha. Dogs. Yeah. So, I'm trying to counteract that. That's good. Yeah, that, that, happens, at, that happens at my house a lot, too. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't happen to me. Well, I imagine <laughs> not. <laughs> I imagine not. Oh, that's funny. Even yeah. though my dog is just crazy. He's just nuts. Well, he's still a baby. He is still a baby. Which, yeah, I was going to say, which one of our dogs isn't crazy, though? I feel like the three oh, that's of us totally have, true. like, the craziest dogs combined. Smalls is actually not that crazy. Um, she's, she's like, but she's, like, over two years old now. She's, like, an old lady, so... Yeah, see, and, Fra- and Franklin's only six months old, but he's Do you a call him nut. Franklin? Yeah. I thought you called him Frankie. Well, we call him Franklin or Frankie or okay. Frankie Knuckles or, yeah. And I got, I got like, Biggs, Biggleston, Mr. Biggleworth the fourth. Biggie. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So we have all sorts of names. So I guess Smizzle, Smizzle Sticks. <laughs> sticks. Yeah, whatever comes out is what he pretty much gets. I mean, some days what he gets called is not very nice. Oh, uh, fair, fair enough, fair enough. But you know, he's yeah, he's six months old now, but and he's getting better. Like, like now, you know, he knows he's he's still you know he still does his dirt, but it's very intentional when he does his dirt. And um, but uh, he's he's getting he's getting a little better. He's getting a little better. A little better trained, um, and you know that's that's partially my fault because we got him so early. Um, he was he was over eight weeks old, but yeah. Same with Senior Biggleston. He was uh, eight weeks, and um, we have a lot of pee on our hardwood floors that we have to laminate out. Yep. Yeah, I got Zelda when she so was early. six weeks. That's they shouldn't be selling them at six weeks. That's really. Surprising. I agree, but I had no choice. She she was the last one in the litter to be picked up, and I had to pick her up. Well, I couldn't leave her. Did you did you pick her up? Was she? Did you get her in Indiana? Yeah, they they will sell them in six weeks in Indiana. In Indiana, they will. Yep. That's yeah, they'll sell them in six weeks mill. in Indiana. I I found that out because they tried to get me to take Franklin in six weeks, and I was like, "There's no way in hell I'm taking home a six week old puppy." I hope that one yeah. day I'll have as much money as Bill Gates, and I'm going to spend every single dollar prosecuting puppy mill people and putting them to death. Well, it's not just puppy mills; it's breeders and everybody. They will sell them in six weeks legally. They can in the state of Indiana. I'm just saying it's indicative yeah. of a larger issue. Oh yeah, yeah. Tonight yeah. is is stand on your soapbox night. I think. Uh, apparently. <laughs> I don't care. I'm standing up for it. 
We're gonna prosecute. Three glasses of wine, so whatever. <laughs> whatever. Speaking of wine, what are you guys drinking? <laughs> <laughs> Skipping down the line. I know. <laughs> well, since clearly Alex Lane is drinking wine, I'm drinking Diet Pepsi. Boo. I, I know. I have water and I have a Vicodin waiting for me after we're done with this. So my party starts after the podcast. I totally don't believe that you haven't taken it yet. I did. <laughs> well, I've had like, how many am I? I'm supposed to take four a day right now, which I think is a lot. I think most Vicodin I've ever taken is half a pill because I'm such an anxious freak, as Sam will attest to. Like, <laughs> I can't be on a plane. I can't be with buildings that are higher than five stories. Like, I'm a total freak can't be in big cities. Um, I also can't take anxiety meds like a Vicodin or like a, uh, what's the one that they usually give for anxiety? Xanax. Xanax, like a Xanax, because I freak out so much that I'll like die from the medicine that I can't take it. So the most I've ever taken from a Vicodin was after I had surgery. I took a half a Vicodin and I gave the bottle away. I'm, I mean, I flushed it on the toilet. <laughs> I gave it away because I was like, I can't. It just, I'm panicking. Like, well, I, I don't like to, no. I don't like to take no. narcotics. I don't like to take narcotics. I mean, I will, but I don't like to. But you know what? I refuse to take because I I got TMJ apparently. Not apparently. Um, it's terrible. You migrates constantly. Yeah, I know. And um, they one of the things the doctor gave me is he gave me pain meds, which were narcotic because I can't take ibu- I can't take um, anti-inflammatories. But he also gave me muscle relaxers. Why can't you take anti-inflammatories? Well, because anti-inflammatories wreak havoc on your, is it liver or kidneys? One liver, of the two. Yeah. Well, for some for liver. some people it does. And I'm one yeah. of those people. So I can't take them. And, um, and, uh, so, and, but he gave me muscle relaxers. And I refuse to take muscle relaxers because, you know, they're, they're muscle relaxers in theory even freak me out mm-hmm. because it's supposed to relax muscles, right? But I'm like, isn't the heart a muscle? <laughs> I'm just saying. Does it and like the brain, right? Does it no, no, the brain is not a muscle. That's like tissue. Doesn't it slow part of they the slow your heart rate, don't they? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure it does because it relaxes yeah. it. Right? So I'm like, so really, what sense does that make? Because I mean it that muscle relaxer doesn't know, oh, affect these muscles, but not these. No, it's going for everything. So I'm not taking that shit. He gave it to me. He was like, just he was, I was like, I'm not taking that. He was like, you may need it. I was like, I will never be in enough pain to need that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Also, like I have a I have such a low heart rate already that I think I would die if my heart rate lowered anymore. So now I'm nervous about that. <laughs> hmm. I just I just found out I have a super low um blood pressure. Yeah, me too. So I, I imagine Mine, that would mine's make it uh, super... mine's incredibly low. In fact, to keep from getting nauseous like every nine hours or so I have to eat something super salty, which I realize Sam totally disagrees with in theory, but um <laughs> But I, I but to, I gotta otherwise I, I get told, super sick. I was told to eat six almonds before I go to bed. Mm. I haven't heard the six almonds. That's interesting. Yeah, six almonds before I go to bed so that I get a good night's sleep because otherwise I'll wake up because of my low blood pressure and blood sugar and all sorts of fun things. Damn. Well, that and the fact that you weigh like five pounds soaking yeah, wet. Yeah, she, she weighs like... You need, the pro, you need the protein to keep you from getting That's probably hungry. why I told you that. It had nothing I, to do with your blood pressure. I've been, like, you need I've been doing... <laughs> I've been doing the protein shakes in the morning 
And let me just tell you, protein is disgusting. It's disgusting. There's nothing about that that makes that taste good. But if you put enough peaches in it, what about like? Why don't you just eat a bag of beef jerky? I eat a beef jerky like every other day, and it's delicious. Oh my god, that's disgusting. No, that is not disgusting for people who have low blood pressure and low sodium and low heart we'll rate. See. And that, that's the funny thing is that my heart rate is fine. It, it 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 is it is surprisingly low for someone who since you know since I don't have it like really worked out in the way that I used to in like two years since I screwed up my knee so it's surprisingly my heart rate is surprisingly good um, even though I'm going I'm this summer I'm seriously doing water walking every day with me uh, with you yeah I so but my walking. blood pressure runs high not because of anything that I've necessarily done but because it just blood pressure on my father's side of the family has always been astronomically high well that's one of the things it's like 15% nature and whatever 85% nurture like you can do things to decrease it for sure um but a lot of it like the preconditions you, there's nothing you can do about yeah, that yeah you got that backwards so so it's like it's like 85% nature and 15% nurture. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, that's exactly what I mean. You know, I don't eat the crappy stuff that would like normally give people astronomically high blood pressure. That's what I'm saying. Like, like a, a minimal amount is from your day to day routine. And a lot of it's from your past and your genes. That's what I mean. Yeah. So well, I'm just, what are we talking about? I know what the hell. All right. Let's, let's talk about on. what we're supposed to be fucking talking about. We did what you're drinking. <laughs> yeah, I'm, we did. Yeah, we did. I haven't played a single thing. If we're going to do what you plan. Uh, well, since, since, since the last time we recorded. Four days Tomb ago. Raider four days ago. Um, <laughs> I played a ton of stuff. But I've been. I've been. It's the end of the semester. I'm dissertating. Nothing. So someone else. Well so I've been else. playing Bioshock Infinite. Um, or I've played a bit of Bioshock Infinite. Um, I haven't. And it's, it's not that I'm, I'm not loving the game. Um, but I haven't really been able to get into it just because I haven't had the the kind of time to sit down and like commit to several hours at a time of playing Bioshock Infinite. Um, because a lot of my time's been spent playing Nino Cooney, mm-hmm. and we are officially at the final boss battle. Um, and P wanted to start it tonight, but you know it was already past her bedtime, and I'm like, no. Because it's the final, final battle, and I want you to see the entire thing and not fall asleep on it. Yeah, uh, definitely. So, because if it gets too hard, she'll just hand me the controller and I'll have to finish it, which is ultimately going to happen because it's the final boss battle. Um, and once she gets killed, once she's going to be like, Mama, you beat her. Uh, <laughs> you know, one of the hardest uh, boss battles I've ever had to face was uh, um, Skylanders, the first one, Spyro's Adventure. The boss was impossible. It was like absolutely ridiculous. Nice. It was 25 minutes on YouTube video and it took me about 30. It was crazy. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. No, you know what? Mm-hmm. These the some of these um some of these uh Nino Kuni boss battles have been have been pretty long too. Some of the yeah, some of the boss battles have been pretty long, which makes me pretty sure that this one's probably gonna take me at least a half an hour. Um being fully leveled up and everything. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I want I want her to see the whole thing and not sleep through the end of the game because that means I would have to do it again the next day. Um, yeah, for sure. And after, you know, <laughs> at this point, almost 
at this point, well, we're probably about 65 hours, maybe close to 70 hours in. I don't want her to miss the, I don't want her to miss the end. So, um, yeah, so Nino Cooney, a little bit of Bioshock Infinite. Um, <laughs> and oddly enough, I've been playing full house poker um, on Xbox Live Arcade. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Because, it's you know, I can very sit and play a couple of hands and, yeah, I'm not very good at poker. I wish Alex Lane would get full house poker so I could play with her. Listen, um, I'm a live poker player. So you and I can put any amount of money down and I'll play live with you, but I don't gamble. I don't like to lose my money. I am cheap. Considering your hell. online poker playing, I'd say you do like to gamble. You just haven't met the right circumstances. Yeah, where where, <laughs> where does it involve me losing my money? What you gonna you gonna complain about losing five bucks? Come on now. Yeah. Come on now. Do you know I can do with five dollars? I could buy coffee and a scone. Huh. That is not true. Yeah, I was going to say, true. where are you going? Because <laughs> scone at Starbucks is like $6. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I like the scones at Great Harvest. They're only like 3 bucks. Yeah, I don't know about that. Oh, <laughs> Great Harvest has scones? That would be Oh, amazing. my God. They have awesome scones. Hmm. I need now to I go to come back there. to Lafayette just for that. Indeed. Just for the scones. Well, there's great harvests everywhere, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, they don't have them around here anymore. Oh, that's too bad. They're in my hometown. Yeah, you got to get the peach that's ones. The peach ones are really good. That's disgusting. Yeah, so what are you guys try. reading? You I skipped am... my playing. Oh, God. What are you playing? <laughs> my bad. No, it's really short. Anyways, I finished Bioshock Infinite. So, Sam, when you say you haven't had a lot of hours to dedicate to it, as soon as you do, it's over. Um, Don't say that. It's true, though. I finally, like, um, it took one of my friends seven hours to get through it. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Not joking. Like, at first I thought, okay, like, I'm really into this. And, like, wow, I feel like it's going a long time. And then all of a sudden the game was over. And I was like, seriously? Like, the story just starts to pick up, and then the game's over. The oh, racist no. storyline. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. The- <laughs> Interesting. Well, no, no, no. No spoilers. And then the racism ends. <laughs> no, no spoilers. No spoilers. I, but I, I haven't played through the whole thing yet, so I, I wasn't. I was not disappointed with it at all. I mean, I'm I'm sure there's there's going to be a lot for us to all talk about as soon as you guys are finished with yeah, it. Yeah, I've heard that you like- can't really appreciate it unless you... There's a lot... I mean, you can appreciate it, but there's, there's a lot of inside references... To the first Bioshock and stuff, so yes, there's a ton of you small things that are going on that you didn't pick up on. Well, I picked up on a couple of things, but I didn't realize how they kind of pieced the puzzle together until the very end. And then your mind's just being blown like second after second, and then it's over. And I mean, like I said, we'll have a lot to talk about. It'll be interesting to see what you guys think of it. Okay. Um, yeah, so I played that, and I've been putting a lot more time into um, my Clash of Clans on my iPad. Oh, sure. Which is still a lot of fun. Um, I'm trying to build my clan castle so I can be a part of a clan, but I keep getting raided, and <laughs> when they're stealing your gold all the time, you can't really build things that cost a lot of gold. Um... And then more Super Mario Brothers 2 new, which I was playing last time. Yay. So that's what I'm playing. 
Well, let me just add one thing to what I'm playing because I'm still playing the tribes, but I'm about to quit. Yeah, I'm playing the tribes too. You know what? Oh, you're gonna quit. I, I well, I bought gems, and it's it's a customer service issue. Why I'm gonna quit? I bought gems when the gems were on sale this weekend, and then it was like. You know, well, they wanted you to expand and exp- go to another island. So I went to an island and... Um, Are you talking about the ice island? Uh, no, the marble island. Which is like snow and ice and stuff? Yep. Yeah. Marble marble Fjord. Uh, yep. Well, okay, yeah, I guess so. It is icy, but that was the name of it. Yeah. And the game glitched and all my gems disappeared. Yeah, I had a hundred and something gems. <coughs> That's crazy. And they all disappeared. I bought gems, not saying I bought gems several times, but if I had, I would say that they hadn't disappeared. That's weird. Well, it disappeared when I when I expanded and went to another island. My gems disappeared, and customer service has done nothing to replace them. I've been going back and forth with oh, them, crap. so I'm going to say fuck them in their game. And um, That's fair enough. Yeah, and not play anymore, because they're not getting any more of my money. Well, yeah, I'll keep you, I'll keep you up to date if anything more interesting or racist happens. It doesn't get much more racist than the tribes, for sure, but I'll let, I'll let you know. <laughs> it's really awful. I'll do a post. I'm doing a post on it soon. So, yeah. Yeah. Anything. That happened. <laughs> uh, what you reading, folks? Nothing. I mean, a million <laughs> things. I was gonna say, you are so reading stuff. I, I know you are. I'm reading so much stuff, it actually hurts my brain a little bit to think about it. Um... But uh, right now, I'm turning my chapter two into Sam on Friday. So I'm reading sort of some general game study stuff and a really heavily feminist methodology stuff and some workplace studies and PW stuff. So nothing that's of any interest at all. It's a podcast. (laughs) That sounds good. Of course it's interesting. It's not. You'll read it. You'll be bored. Yeah, I probably will. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Um, I'm reading dissertation chapters Ugh. for various and That sounds, people. yeah, painful. And uh, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so yeah, I'm reading a lot of dissertation chapters, and I'm getting ready to read seminar papers uh, for folks in my uh, GenTech seminar. I would say ugh, but some of their projects sound really interesting. So. Yeah, there's lots no, of game ugh. projects too. So yeah, exactly. It's gen gen tech is gender and technology. So, um, and what else? I'm still reading, and because I, I didn't finish, even though it's really short, Jesper Jewell's book on failure. I, um, I think I t- we talked about that last time. Hmm. Interesting. Um, games and failure, of course, not just failure in general. Right. <laughs> I imagine. I imagine. Just being a failure. Just being a failure. Yeah, I'm reading just about being a failure. Um, that's about it. That's all I'm reading. Nicole, you reading anything? Um, aside from the usual keeping up with blogs, um, I decided to reread The Great Gatsby before the movie comes out. Oh, sure. That is one of my favorite all-time books. Yep, so I wanted, wanted to refresh my mind before I go see this movie. I've so. never read it. Have you never read I love that book. Yeah, you need to read I've it. I've read a it's lot great. of books from that time period, but I didn't read that one particularly. The Great so. Gatsby is an awesome I'll book. Have to. It is Let awesome. me just say that, and I'm afraid of what Leonardo DiCaprio is going to do to that role. 
Do you think do you think it's not going to be good? Are you like I'm I think that the way that they're filming it looks phenomenal, but yeah, I'm I'm skeptical. Skeptical. I, I think that the cin- I think that cinematically it's going to be a, it's going to be a beautiful be movie. Beautiful. You don't yeah. like the Leo? But I don't think I don't think Leonardo DiCaprio can be role. Gatsby. Did you see the original Gatsby movie? No. So I don't know with, anything about Gatsby. Paul but Newman. He's a good actor. Or not not Paul Newman. Who was it? Robert Redford or Paul Newman? I think it was Robert Redford. Robert Redford, yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm like, blonde, really square job. Robert Redford was a really hey. good Gatsby. I'm yeah. Alex Lane, how have you not read or watched that movie? Because that was like 10th grade, high school, you know, literature class kind we of read, stuff. I mean, we read a lot of different stuff. We just didn't happen to read that one, you know. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, the, it was 1974. We read a lot, actually, we read a lot of the uh, banned books list. The, the teachers that I had in 10th, 11th, and 12th grade only picked books off the banned books list. I had teachers like that, too. Yeah, so, yeah. See, I mean, Robert Redford, like I said, he, he did Gatsby. That was like uh, 1974. Go in that movie database. Um, he was not the greatest Gatsby. But he was closer to what I envisioned Gatsby being mm-hmm. than Leonardo DiCaprio. One, because Gatsby is kind of a man of the world. Mm-hmm. And Leonardo DiCaprio is still a kid in my mind, even though he's he's older. You know what I mean? He's still a yeah. little, he's still a kid a young in my face. I don't think, you know, it's, it's hard for child actors to grow up in my mind. Sure, that's fair enough. So... I'm not looking forward to it, but I'll probably see it because Gatsby is, is one of my favorite movies. I mean, one of my favorite novels. So, anyway. Mm-hmm. Anywho. Anywho. Uh, news? News is uh, the I, realm of Nicole, I, and she's like on Viking. I don't have news, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I don't have anything. I, I also don't have an indie game, so... So we suck this week. It's not that. It's that we just recorded Bomber. <laughs> but we were so... You guys, like the listeners have to be... A, they have to be forgiving because we just recorded and we could have waited two weeks, but we didn't because we wanted to get this interview out to you so badly because it's that good and you will not be disappointed <laughs> by the fact that you don't get to hear me blur on about some indie game. Like, you will appreciate the interview that much more. So, Do you yeah. study rhetoric by any chance? Oh, no, I, I, I don't. I study truth. I don't know what you study. but <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's going to be that much better because we don't have to bullshit through making some stuff up right at this second. <laughs> um, well, not even just making something up. I, was, I did kind of just say, but first of all, we caught the bomber, so yay there. Um, but true, also, I think movies. I think something a lot of people have been talking about recently is the new um, Zelda 3DS that's going to come out. Yeah, yeah. So people are super psyched about that and all of the um, announcements that kind of came along with Nintendo's extremely awkward little commercial or whatever that was. <laughs> Yeah, and then did you the watch new- that with him standing yes. next to Luigi? It was so weird. It was so <laughs> no. weird. <laughs> the spring update did that come today or is that coming tomorrow? Because I have to admit, I, I haven't turned my Wii U on in a long time. No, I haven't either. Yeah, I don't. It think... is quickly going the way of the Wii in my household. Yeah, nobody's talked about it, so I don't think. I think it's tomorrow. 
You'd think you would have seen stuff about it. If it well, had the, been I saw that there's, there's, yeah, it must be tomorrow because they today they they listed um the um the eight launch titles that are going to be in yeah. um in the eShop. So that must be um, that for that just tells me that that's going to be um, tomorrow. Because you know why would they list launch titles yeah. if it came out today? And here we go. I can actually tell you what those titles are. So the the launch titles are trying to Mighty Switch Force HD, Toki Tori Two, Chasing Aurora, Little Inferno, Cloudberry Kingdom, and Nano Assault Neo are the um, the eight uh, eShop launch games that are coming tomorrow. Plus, there are going to be 23 retail games that you can download. And, you know, I never download any retail games from Nintendo because they don't give you any break whatsoever on the price. And usually you can buy them in the store cheaper because the stores are not running them at, you know, manufacturer suggested retail. And the thing I don't like either is that they don't do a cross-platform across their various devices either. So that really pisses me off. Yeah, and like, I'm the not going to play full if price. You, if you bought it. Well, yeah, and right. in the past, if you bought it, then you just duck out of luck when you when you switch devices. Right, exactly. Right, because you know that's why I it's keep annoying. a lot of my um my DSs because on some of them I have like twenty games that I bought, and if I get rid of the DS, then I just lose those twenty games because I can't move them to the next one. And that's just not a sustainable model for very long. They're gonna have to deal with that. I mean, even iTunes went to a model where you could download stuff you'd previously bought on old computers because you have to. You can't. Right. Because if you buy it, it's your property. Someone can't take it away from you. But there's a limit to how many computers you can sure, allow I to think, download. I think five. But you can revoke privileges from one to get it to the next one. So. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, you know what? I'm an idiot. That was the wrong list. <laughs> oh. What list was that? That was the old list. Oh. oh, here we go. Um, oh, you know what they what they what they have? Oh, I might have to actually turn mine on. Downloading classic games on the Wii U for thirty cents. Oh, thirty years of Famicom, thirty day limited offer, thirty cents per game. That sounds pretty good, actually. Thirty cents per game. Yeah, it's not bad. Absolutely. So yeah, so they've got um um. Let's see. Coming to Nintendo eShop first to get. So that would be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Score. Score. Thank Stuff you. like Donkey Kong and Super Metroid and Kirby's Adventure. Yeah, no one's saying they don't have good games. That's for sure. <laughs> um, no, the the old eShop was the old was the old eShop, the first eShop games. Sorry, folks. I don't know what the hell I was looking at. Oh, well. Yeah, well. I'm an idiot. Life goes on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't. That's the end. That's it's the end. over. There's, there's no going back. She knows nothing of games. <laughs> All right. So... Now I feel like we're rambling because we're all tired. I know. Exactly. Yeah, this is... So, our issue of the week is an interview. Yes. Interview, yes, definitely. We um, were lucky enough to get an interview with um, Mike Hoy. 2006 uh, Time Magazine Person of the Year. Co-recipient. Yep. Co-recipient. 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 Let's go ahead and Google that. 
we'll figure that one out. Yeah. <laughs> Google 2006 person of the year and you will learn all about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how clever our interviewee is. I, I will say we've had a number of amazing interviews that just blew my mind on here. And this one does not disappoint. Um, I, I can't go as far as to say it's the best one because we've had people like Kristen Charter and Megan Marie and I mean, Sherry Ray. I mean, please Mark Barlay. Uh, we've had amazing people on here. So yeah, um, we've been really lucky. We've been very fortunate, but I will say that for those of you who are interested in the way that um, particular discrimination issues and representation issues affects games, there's not a better interview to listen to than this i mean this guy is this guy's brilliant and he he's on it you know so we're going to bring you our interview with mr mike hoy um who uh, as you all may know um is kind of famous internet famous at least um for hacking um the legend of zelda the wind waker for his daughter um so that she could actually play as a girl rather than a boy um so it's kind of interesting because as alex said this guy is brilliant um and he's he's a he was a lot of fun to talk to um and we talked not only about his hacking of zelda uh but also about kind of issues of gender in games uh in general indeed so enjoy should we introduce ourselves maybe a little? Uh, please, that would be wonderful. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I'm Alex. I'm, uh, I, w- I work with Sam. Well, technically, she's kind of my boss. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm a PhD student at Purdue in rhetoric under her. Awesome. So Nice. I'm Alex. Did I say Gosh. that? I'm Alex. Yes, you did. Okay. Yeah. I never ha- know how to introduce myself, even on the podcast. Um, I'm Nicole, and I did... Gosh undergraduate research with Sam so that's kind of how I got on the podcast and now now this is all I'm involved with as far as, far as that goes nice nice podcast. I have the same problem I started like you know hi I'm Mike Hoy I, I kind of do stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> I call myself the the gamer extraordinaire sometimes yeah. that seems nice. fitting there you go that's that awesome. is fitting and yeah. and I'm Samantha um and I'm uh I teach at Purdue um and uh, we do game stuff. So, uh, I mean, I, digital digital humanities, digital media, new media studies is kind of predominantly what I teach these days. Um, and then I end up with great students, graduate and undergraduate, like uh, Alex and Nicole. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I love the fact that those courses even exist at all, much less that there are people teaching them. That's fantastic. I remember growing up and I thinking this stuff is really important. Someone should have something to say about this. And of course, <laughs> those courses didn't exist at all when I was going through university. But I'm glad that there's a place for them now. Great. Yeah, it, it's it's a good thing. You know, there, of course, when I was going when I was going through university, there was nothing like that for me either. Um, and even when I started teaching, it, there was nothing like that. Um, oh, yeah. so it's kind of like, how do we do this? Um, so, like yeah. how. How do we manage this? All this stuff was like science fiction 15 yeah. years ago, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so what would you guys like to talk about today? Well, we want to talk about, we want to talk about um, one, you, uh, and two, kind of the really fascinating um, mods that you've done of uh, some of the classic games for your daughter um, for a number of reasons. And we'll kind of figure out, you know, what kind of was the uh, the... 
the impetus for that and uh, what your future plans are for for those kinds of things as well. Um, so, and and us kind of going going around the internet and finding out things about you, you know, mostly from your website, like Besides your Time fact, Magazine award. That's your, your you were Time Magazine's 2006 yes. co co recipient of the year. We found that amusing. <laughs> I thought that was good. I've, I've put that on my resume, and it gets me a lot of blank stares until people realize that, in fact, everybody was tired of standing No, that's, a, that's clever. I'm going to add that to my resume just to you get sh- people's attention. You, sh- you should. You should, right? It's, I think it's important that we all be proud of our achievement there. <laughs> the Time magazine was so gracious to bestow upon us all. It's, it's true. It's true. And we worked so hard for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I felt it. 2006 was a rough year for me. Yeah, it was, it was, it was good. I felt like I triumphed over adversity or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, Mike, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about your background. You were a computer science major and a literature minor in college? Uh, I've been a lot of different things, actually, in university. <laughs> uh, I've uh, got... I, I haven't, in fact, actually finished. I've got about two-thirds of five different degrees now, and uh, I've taken what I've needed from them, either in the polyscience, computer science, uh, math, uh, literature fields, uh, and I've sort of been moving from place to place as I felt I needed to grow my own skills and grow my own understanding of how the world worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's served me pretty well. In terms of a career, I've been uh, a systems administrator for a long time, uh, and that has sort of been at the seam of... The, the seam of technology or practical technology at least mm-hmm. and people management as well and I've grown that uh, recently into a role at the Mozilla Corporation where I do community management and community engagement for them trying to get people involved in uh, becoming contributors to their core products and the engineering team there and that's been a really rewarding experience for me as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that I guess there you go that's about 20 years summed up in about 45 seconds <laughs> But that was the original purpose of a liberal arts education, right? To, to to go into kind of a number of different programs and departments and choose the things that served you best. I think so. I think so. And I've, um, uh, it is kind of sad that computing as a field has not become a liberal arts major. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a lot of ways, it really needs to be uh, because the stuff we do touches on uh, the way people live their lives. As much, maybe more, maybe less, depend on who you know, depend on who's making the argument. Uh, but as 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 much, or possibly as much as computer science, or as I should say, political science or literature does. Mm-hmm. So it's a, I mean, it's one more tool in the toolbox, really. But it's something that I think that is uh, needs to be approached from a humanities perspective in order to really understand why it's important. Yeah, I mean, you know, as folks that are working kind of in the digital side of the humanities, I think that you, I think you can definitely say that we could we would agree with you on that one. Very much so. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. The people who the the difficulty with that argument is that the people who agree with you already agree with you, right. and yeah. the people who don't agree with you, uh, it's very hard to get them to ever agree with you. So, you know, that's the challenge that 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 position presents. Yeah, absolutely. So. You've you've worked like you said you've worked kind of in a, in in a number of different um, in a number of different areas doing different things. Have you ever officially worked in games? Uh, I never have, I never have. And to be fair, I've never really aspired to that. I've mm-hmm. been able, you know, my my skill set has never really taken me in that direction. I don't have a clear idea of what makes a good game. I'm better at figuring out what 
problems in a complex system exist and how to fix them, mm -hmm. uh, and not really about understanding what makes a game playable or what makes a game fun. It's mm -hmm. one of those things that I know it when I see it, but it turns out that's not good enough to be an actual creator of those things. And uh, how, how are you a lifelong gamer? Uh, yeah, in that sense, I really am. I was yeah. very fortunate when I was very young to uh, to have to be in a family that could afford to have an early, like an Apple IIc. Yeah. Uh, back when that was a thing that you know existed in the wild. Yeah. And uh, so I was a very early participant in the early text adventures from Infocom, for example, the yep. old, you know, the old Hitchhiker's Guide as a text adventure and so on, uh, and early video games there. And I've really grown up with that as a medium. Uh, to the exclusion, I would say, of other ones. I never really cared all that much about TV, because mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, books are great. I had a lot of a lot of science fiction, a lot of books, and a library card growing up was a really important thing. But uh, television, you just kind of watch television, right? You don't actually do anything mm -hmm. with it. And uh, I get the sense often that uh, I get the sense occasionally that my daughter is frustrated with that as well when we're. You know, we have episodes of small episodes of things that we've downloaded that we watch as well. Mm -hmm. um, and she occasionally gets frustrated that she can't make any decisions uh, about what's about to happen. Yeah. Which is fascinating to me because, you know, that's the environment we grew up with. You just consumed that and that was all that there was. And we all sort of knew that. Uh, and how old is your daughter now? She's right on the verge of turning four. Oh, okay. So, you know, so I can understand exactly what you say, Mike, because my daughter is four, and like the the new Sesame Street Connect TV and the Nat Geo TV stuff, where you actually get to interact with stuff, is kind of her. It makes sense to her more than I know. I was like, people think it's strange because they're like, oh, so you know, it's like this, and I'm like, well, she's never seen that because she doesn't watch television. She won't watch television for more than five minutes at a time because she gets bored with it and she goes to do something but anything that she can interact with she can actually engage with so yeah i think you know i'm, I'm hopeful that you know this is a sign of what's coming for the new generation and not just kind of sitting in front of the tv vegging out oh and you would not believe how sideways my daughter goes when a commercial comes on tv <laughs> like dad dad put it back <laughs> yep. What is this? The TV is broken. Why can't we just go back to watching what I want to watch? And I have to explain, haha, that's that's a commercial. You just people have to watch those in the middle of TV. And then I think about that for a second. I think why why is that true at all? Like Yeah. Why why am I putting up with that if my three year old won't put up with that? So so it's it's actually magnificent because there's so many things that we take as a given in that environment. Mm -hmm. That the moment your, the moment your kid goes and says, "Dad, this is, you know, this is nonsense. Why are we doing this?" Um, you think for a second and say, "Well, that's just the way it is." Uh, no, wait, <laughs> wait. You're right. This is nonsense. Why are we doing it like this? There's got to uh, be a better way. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to put it like that because that's that's infomercial talk right there. There must be a better way. But, uh, <laughs> for 1995. Uh, exactly. Three installments. But on the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, it's very true. Like we just, we've given up pretty much having cable TV, for example, mm -hmm. uh, because all the things we want to have are on the internet now. And instead of watching 30 minutes of TV with 12 minutes of advertising in it, we can now just watch, you know, 20 minutes of television, and we're done. Yeah, uh, and it's fantastic. 
Yeah, and it's, you know, it, it saves a lot of time in terms of screen time. And, yeah, so, no, I, I understand exactly, exactly what you're talking about. Because, I mean, most of the things that we watch, if we, you know, we do watch is either, like, on demand or we download them, you know, for because I'm not a television watcher either. Um, it, and, and I think that that was perhaps because, it, like you, books and games took up a lot of my time. Uh, when I was growing up and even when I was in college, um, I had, a, I mean, when I was in college and even um, when I did my master's degree, I could probably count the number of times in a month, if not two months, uh, that I turned my TV on in one on one hand. Uh, yeah. yeah, TV's never been, you know, the big thing for me. And even with and even the on-demand stuff is a lot more engaging now in the sense uh, that it is not just there. Like yeah. you can't you can't just sit down on a couch and turn on the TV and whatever's there happens to be there and you just you just sit there. Uh, like every viewing decision you make is something you have to choose, uh, and I think that just that on its own is valuable. Like you have to make a choice about what is going to hit you in the eyes, and when you when you're done with that decision, uh, it's not it doesn't just roll over into the next show or into the next ad block or whatever. Mm-hmm. You have to then get up and pick something else, and I think that they the act of being made to make choices uh, in all media consumption is uh, is inherently valuable on its own. And the fact that kids uh, are forced to do that as part of internet viewing in a way that they're not forced to do with TV uh, is something that is going to be a net benefit. Great. So let's, um, we have another kind of series of questions about the, about the games that you modded for your daughter. Um, mm-hmm. And since I've been talking a lot, I'm going to let uh, Alex and Nicole ask the first couple of questions. Sure. Ooh, all right. Uh, okay, so how many games have you modded? Uh, so far, I, I'm partway through a second one. The Really, the one that I've, the first one that I did and the one that got me a ton of press, uh, which was a little bit surprising, uh, was the Wind Waker game. So I've done one. I have designs on doing some more, uh, and I've really been pleased to see that since I did that one, a couple of other people have sort of picked up that torch and run with it. That's really cool. So what, uh, what inspired um, your decision to do that? You know, the actual reason is that she's starting to learn how to read, and a lot of the dialogue in the Nintendo games, none of it is voiceover because they're all older games. Uh, and so the dialogue on the screen is the stuff you have to follow. And in order for her to follow along with the game that we're playing together. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with Wind Waker. I mean, I say that casually because you've all mentioned that video games here. Uh, but it really does look like a sort of a live action Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, beautiful to play. Uh, but all the dialogue in it is portrayed as text on the screen. Uh, and I decided early on that I wanted my daughter to be able to put herself in that hero's role. Uh, but you know, if, if I wanted to do that convincingly uh, and still you know, refer to her as a, a her, uh, that I would need to sort of do some translation on the fly there to say, oh, now, okay, now we're referring to Link as a she. Uh, and that got kind of awkward and clunky and really obnoxious uh, for me to be doing on the fly. Uh, and also, I felt like I was kind of lying to her about the text that was on the screen uh, at a time when she's already trying to learn how to read. Sure. Uh, and I would be shortchanging her by saying that the screen said one thing when it didn't say that at all. Uh, so I realized that since it's in my, you know, since it's in my power to be able to change that, uh, I might as well be the person who goes in and makes that change. That's really that's really cool. Um, so, 
when you play the game with her now, does she really like that it's a female avatar that she gets to play? Does that seem you know, to get her more into it? Or uh, I don't think... I think that she... I think that I made the change before she really registered that there was a big difference there. Oh, okay. Uh, and so, as a result, uh, she thinks... I mean, she thinks now that she is... I mean, she's the hero of that story. Uh, and she is going to be a... Uh, and that's what she's going to be for Halloween. Oh, you know, it comes in. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> uh, hopefully, it, it's uh, hopefully. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it has. It's it, it's not without problems. Now, any cardboard tube she picks up is a sword. Um, right. So that's a, <laughs> but you know that that's probably its own challenge. But that's probably a fair trade, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I at the very least, I should have seen that coming. <laughs> but, uh, but she has been uh, she has been interested in actually pursuing it, and she does want to come and sit down with me and play through whatever the next step in the story is, and figure out what the next thing we have to find is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been uh, it's been rewarding for me to see her identify, even if we're at a point in her life where she probably doesn't really understand the implications of all of it yet. And mm-hmm. I well, I should say that she certainly doesn't understand the implications of all of it yet. Yeah. Uh, but we're at a point now where she can actually say uh, that she identifies with herself being the hero. And that, uh, at the very least, it's valuable to me. And I hope that that kind of thing, I hope that that idea takes root. Right? That, uh, that she gets to be the protagonist in that story if she wants to be. You know, and I have to say this. I think that she, you know, if, because my daughter kind of, she hit that point. She's almost five now, but she hit that point um, fairly recently because we've been playing Nino Cooney. Uh, and one of the things that she's done is she started to notice things like Esther's in this game, but she's not wearing as many clothes as the boys are. Isn't she cold? Cause they have on jackets and her belly's hanging out. Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, the these kinds women, of things. Women's armor is nonsense, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> there's no logic to it. No, there's none. That's fantastic. I mean, as, as many of you know, uh, it's what is it? The forearms, basically bikini forearms and the bottom half of your thighs. That's the only part of a woman that needs protection in a sword fight. Yeah, exactly. that's all that I get hit. Come on now, seriously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and 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 you know, and and I've been watching this because you know, for those reasons, I mean, she doesn't want she doesn't want to be the the female character in the game you know when we because she wrote because you know she role plays these things so mm-hmm. you know we've kind of made it kind of and i was I'm, a, I'm also previously an elementary school teacher right so we've made it into this kind of whole language arts unit so we play the game um and we you know talk a lot a lot about kind of the mythology that we see in the game and we've been reading books and doing kind of like little art projects um and like crafty projects like we made capes and um, oh, so she made a harp and all these other kinds of cool things that surround the game um but the things that she wanted to use for herself and her role playing have been the things that are associated with the male protagonist because she doesn't want to be half dressed (laughs) you know yeah seriously that was uh you wouldn't put up with that in any number of other formats it's just uh and it's it's really a problem if you want to raise somebody who's going to be an equal participant in all of this, yeah, because Jesus, guys, <laughs> I mean, 
come on. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of the things that I actually enjoyed most about the Mass Effect series uh, Mm -hmm. is at the Mass Effect, uh, the Mass Effect series gives you the option of being, uh, of role-playing as a male or female protagonist. Yeah. Uh, But the dialogue doesn't change, right? Mm -hmm. Right. If Commander Shepard walks onto the screen, uh, people are afraid of Commander Shepard, not because that's a man or a woman under all the space armor there, but because that's a badass under that space mm-hmm. armor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right? and, uh, and I'm hoping we can get to the point with more modern games where that kind of thing is just accepted as sort of the baseline uh, of what we can accept as uh, the baseline for how we treat people. Mm-hmm. And we'll get there. I mean, we're not going to get there this year, and we're not going to get there next year, but we'll get there. Well, that's definitely something that, you know, we talk all the time about um, and it's sort of one of our goals for doing this is um, letting sort of trying to make a space where people know that that they're not the only one who looks at Laura Croft and they're like really like should she be wearing that and jumping around in trees or something like that right so those feelings <laughs> you have uh, you know they're normal and uh, and yeah and it's it's in fact it's even in fact in many cases it's worse than that there has been problems uh, I think with uh, for example, the Metroid series, uh, Seamus Oran, uh, one of the classic female video game players, yeah. uh, female video uh, game characters, I should say, um, horribly mistreated in the latest episode of the franchise. Yeah. Uh, just astoundingly condescending uh, how that character was handled by, uh, I think it was Team Ninja in Other M. And uh, yeah. right, this has been a historically a strong female character who, for the sake of not even for the sake of the narrative, but for the sake of, I think, the developer's own amusement, uh, was um, just horribly abused in an incredibly condescending storyline. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the uh, the same thing was true of uh, Lara Croft in the latest edition of her franchise. Uh, that the character itself was went from being, uh, you know, somewhat underdressed but nevertheless a strong female lead, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, to being, uh, you know, to playing the victim's role uh, again. Absolutely. Uh, we just did a whole podcast on that very issue. And, and Alex and I had a huge yeah. argument about it <laughs> because I feel I feel very much the same way about this latest iteration of Laura Croft and 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 a lot of people don't. Um and I'm like as I'm okay, I'm older. I was an adult when I played Laura Croft for the first time. So I have a very different perception of who Lara Croft was, you know, as an adult woman playing Tomb Raider mm-hmm. at, versus this Lara Croft in this latest iteration of Tomb Raider. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I'm glad you said that. Yes. Yeah. I could just, I could just hear yeah, your smile just, all the way across town. Validated yeah. her arguments. Well, so I understand. Like I was struggling to find the word. Uh, in fact, I don't even know if we have a word for that. I was trying to find, what is the female equivalent of the word emasculated there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if that had happened to a male lead, that's what you would call that. Yeah, right. Yes. You'd call it cutting their sack off. Right. Yeah. Um, but because I, you know, the English language being the thing that it is, <laughs> you know, which is a different problem. We don't have time for it in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's not even a female word for that no. uh, or a word for a gender, a gender equivalent works that on the women's side, but it really is uh, depowered. Uh, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, uh, are you familiar with the term uh, women in refrigerators? No. no. 
Okay, so this is really interesting. This is a term that comes from the comic book uh, industry, uh, or at least an analysis of the comic book industry. And, and the reason it's called Women in Refrigerators is uh, because of a storyline involving uh, the Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, where he comes across his, uh, his girlfriend, who has been essentially killed and stuffed into a refrigerator by some arch-villain in the series. Uh, and the rest of the story focuses on how he feels about that. Right. Not about anything involving the female character who has just been killed or mutilated, uh, but along the male character's reaction to that. Uh, and so this project, Women in Refrigerators, is just a catalog of all of the female uh, characters in all the women in the comic book industry or in the female comic book characters who have been either killed or disempowered in order to elicit sympathy for the male lead standing next to them. Oh, and that's it's, really interesting. Yeah, and, and it's not a short list. No, I imagine not. I grew up reading comics, and yeah, I imagine that list is quite large. Yeah, and, and when you step back and look at the list uh, over the course of the decade or two that they've been putting this together, uh, the end result of that is kind of appalling. Uh, and that was sort of the same way I felt about uh the same way I felt about Metroid uh, or the new Metroid series and the same way I felt about Laura Croft is that Laura Croft has been, uh, Laura Croft has been, you know, essentially abused uh, in order to elicit sympathy from the male player. Yeah. But not for any reason having to do with the character themselves. Uh, and it's kind of shameful and kind of embarrassing, but it certainly tells you who the important gaze belongs to in that mm -hmm. relationship, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, you know, and that, that that's kind of been the 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 argument for me throughout. It's like because they they the you know their their rationale was this is going to empower Laura Croft, and I'm like, no, what you don't understand <laughs> is that, you know, this theme of rape that runs throughout doesn't empower women in any way, shape, or form. Yes. You know, on top of the fact that she, you know, she is this whining, whimpering idiot for the first half of the game um, that, you know, that just mm -hmm. makes, you know, makes me want to grab someone and shake them. Um, yeah, they said yeah. they had to do that because it was her coming-of-age story, right? That's what Ron Rosenberger, whoever they interviewed, said. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, no. Uh, a dude writing on a woman's coming of age story. That sounds like a great idea. Through rape, that'll, that'll, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. That'll that'll totally be representative of something of value. Um, <laughs> you know, it makes me very curious, though, how you feel having, um, like, uh, it, being quite aware of these things that are so. I mean, not uh, horrible for women who play video games and kind of being subjected to that on their own, but having a daughter who's quite young who's starting to get into it, like. Do you worry what that will do for her as she starts to grow older and she actually does start to understand those things? Like, because you can't, you can't mod games for her for the rest of her life. I mean, you oh, could I, maybe, but <laughs> well, I don't intend to. Right. Right. And this is uh, this is the point where uh, I'm hoping that these are sort of formative stages. Mm -hmm. uh, that I'm not, I'm not here to protect her from the world i'm here to establish her ex you know i'm here to establish what her expectations of the world are and what she wants from the world mm -hmm. uh and how she expects the world to treat her uh which is hopefully with respect um and a degree of deference and for her to not accept less than that just because that's the way it is 
Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're talking about we were talking about this with the media earlier with ads, but it turns out there's true. This is true in a lot of respects. Um, uh, the thing that I want, the thing that I really hope that she understands, you know, and I have, I'm sure, 20 years of work ahead of me here, yeah. is uh, is that these things aren't carved in stone, and you don't have to accept them for the way they are. Yeah. Uh, and it's work. Like it's a ton of work, and it's often thankless work, um, because, I mean, certainly in the modification for the Wind Waker stuff that I did, I published that. Uh, and among the other, among the mail that I got for that were honest to God death threats. Um, oh yeah, I'm sure. Mm. Oh yeah. So funny story. Uh, all of you guys are going, yeah, sure. It's like, it's bog standard stuff. Yeah. Uh, if I tell this story to, uh, young men, they go death threats. Really? No, <laughs> no, you didn't get that. And any women I tell this story to are like, ah, yeah. Death threats. <laughs> Welcome to the internet, son. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, here's your yeah. yeah. Seriously, welcome to the internet. Here's your sign. Yeah, here's your badge of honor. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Informally introduced. <laughs> yeah. Did you get any rape threats? They say no. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Not you're, doing, you're not doing something right. Yeah, that's right. Well, you're. You can get that merit badge next week. Yeah. Right. Uh, but just the fact that. Uh, just the fact that. Even though we're starting out from a position of relative. Uh, I should say relative privilege uh, in viewing this stuff. And even though we're starting out with the ability to change this stuff and to make decisions about what we consume, that doesn't mean that there isn't, you know, that doesn't mean that there's no world out there that needs changing. And a lot of things out there that we either don't or can't, if we're moral actors, just accept. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, as you can imagine, this is kind of a heavy conversation to have with a four-year-old. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, so at this point, leading by example is the only thing I can think of how to do. And I think definitely one of the best ones, I mean, cause uh, you know, mm. as, as the kind of more critically aware mother of a four year old, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of the only thing that I can, can hope to do is to, to get her to kind of, you know, understand what is coming and what needs to be done through what I do. I mean, so, so that, you know, it doesn't become one of those do as I say, not, a, not as I do moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and I would really like that reaction to be reflexive. Like I would like, I would like the revulsion there to be visceral, right? Like it really doesn't need to be like this. Why are you even talking about women like this? Yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping that's the case. I mean, we'll get there. Who knows? I've got, I've got a kid. Who knows how they're going to turn out? Talk to yeah. Talk to me in 30 years, and I'll tell you how it kind of went. Yeah. I'll tell you how much. I say that all the time. I'll tell you how much therapy I'm paying for once we get to that point. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> My grandmother used to say, "Well, you know, you'll you'll know how they turn out in 40 years, I guess." <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we're playing the long game now, but uh, that just means you got to dig in. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So here's a question: When you started this. Did you have any idea how kind of how much of a big story this would become? Uh, it was a little bit scary. It turns out that one of the num well, I, I was informed after the fact mm -hmm. that one of the big things that makes a really good news story is something that's easy to explain and that's easy to forward to your friends and that makes you kind of feel good. Ah, uh, and so. Once I published it, I thought, this is kind of neat. I'll tell my friends about it, and I put it up on my weblog. 
And uh, so a couple of people got a hold of it, and then a couple of those people got a, forwarded it to you know some major websites apparently, uh, and then the internet just took over from there. Right? It's something yeah. that is. You can digest the entire thing in about 30 seconds. You can forward it to your friends in moments. And, and, if, you know, and if you want to leave a horrible comment on my website, you can do that in another two minutes, sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, I didn't realize that that is a key sort of metric of success in modern media is how quick you can get in and out of a story. And because I was doing a thing that is kind of catchy and kind of new uh, and... Also, very easy to sort of, even if you don't want to play through the whole game, you can understand what has happened here in no time, uh, that it really just exploded. Uh, mm -hmm. And I didn't realize on some level that it was going to do that. I kind of, I'll level with you, I kind of hoped yeah. that the idea would catch <laughs> Uh, that the idea would catch on. I mean, I've I've had that weblog for years, uh, and I occasionally put odd things up, but I'm happy that this thing caught on the way it did. Uh, I didn't really expect it would, but mm -hmm. I'm I'm okay with the fact that it did. A number of other people have since gone into you know classic video games. There was a fellow a couple of weeks ago who, uh, in I think it was classic Donkey Kong, the old eight bit thing, um, mm -hmm. you know, for the original Nintendo, uh, who changed that up so that the princess uh, or uh, not princess peach uh, is it princess no pardon me princess peach i think is the uh, the mario princess yep uh, that she is the one uh, jumping around rescuing mario yeah uh, which was you know fantastic and uh, since then there's a guy named Aaron Diaz who makes a webcomic called Dresden Kodak uh, of which i'm a long standing fan and you should really look it up and read the whole thing um, but he has had a whole reimagining of the Zelda series for a new version of the franchise where he's going to, he's proposed a new version of that as well, where, uh, where Princess Zelda is the hero of the story and has to rescue Link from whatever. And it's beautiful and it's, and I love his work. I've loved it forever. Nice. Um, but uh, I, you know, I don't really feel like I'm, I should say, when I'm thinking about these things quietly to myself, I think, you know, I kind of feel like I have started something. It feels uh, like a bit of a movement. I mean, to yeah. be to be perfectly honest, I mean, like yeah, the the cases that you kind of have brought up, and then there's another woman um, who on the internet, I don't know her last name, she just goes by Kenna W, who's redone um, the Legend of Zelda and replaced Link with Zelda. Um, because she, she says she always felt like if it was called Legend of Zelda, Zelda should be the star, yeah. right? So yeah, I, I forgot about that one. I mentioned that. I've, yeah. I've thought about that one as well. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really amazing. Uh, and I feel like it feels in general like this is part of a broader push or at least a broader conversation we're having in, uh, in the gaming community right now uh, about the way women are treated in the industry and about the way about the standards of behavior to which we hold ourselves mm -hmm. uh, in the gaming industry. And it feels like a sort of watershed moment that now we're all getting together and saying, or we're not all getting together and saying, because there's always going to be a cadre of regressive Neanderthals um, <laughs> who yeah, are not interested in having this conversation. Yeah. Uh, but people getting together and saying that this is really not acceptable. Uh, one of the things that inspired me to make this change was Valve's Project Lil, for example, um, mm -hmm. which is their their push to make uh, gender neutral pronouns uh, used throughout their video game. Throughout the uh, Portal Two was the most notable place that that was uh, deployed, I think, um, to make the game more accessible and more uh, more equitable on that front. And so, I don't think I'm the first person to have this kind of idea, but. 
Uh, but man, it feels pretty good. I'll tell Maybe you. Maybe what, what we needed was a grassroots movement. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. To the, rally behind. Yeah. Well, it's it's still it's still pretty inaccessible. It's still pretty inaccessible, and there's still not a lot of good documentation for um, for how people can do that for themselves. Yeah. And I'm working on that. Oh, that's, that's exciting. It. Yeah, that's that's all I'm going to say about that right now. But I'm I'm working on that. Uh, and you know, uh, stay tuned, as they say. Yes. <laughs> but I am interested in seeing more of this stuff in the future because. There's, I mean, there's no reason it needs to be like this, mm-hmm. uh, and there's plenty of reasons it shouldn't. <laughs> Jeez. Right. It almost feels like beating a dead horse over the head a couple more times because it feel it seems like something that we talk about a lot, but at the same time, it needs to continue to be talked about because there's nothing being changed about it quite yet. Uh, you know, social change is slow, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's slow and and awful. Uh, there's yeah. a saying. Uh, there's a saying, at least in the sciences, that uh, change doesn't come about when people realize that there's a better idea. Uh, change comes about when you start teaching young kids the new idea, and the old people who held on to the old ideas eventually just get old and die. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, I mean, we're, we've seen this problem with social change. Certainly social change in North America has followed that pattern, uh, where the acceptance of you know, essentially, well, the acceptance of everything, uh, black people not being property, uh, women being able to vote. Um, it takes, it often takes a generation to get rid of that old, of the old ideas. And some people still hold on to the old, old, horrible, old, regressive ideas, but thankfully they are in an increasing minority and that stuff is going away all the time. Uh, you know, whether or not gay people are allowed to marry, uh, we're going to see the back of that in 20 years and the the more conservative parts of the country are frightened of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's an enormous backlash against these. There's an enormous backlash against the idea that maybe people are people um, and that, you know, and not property, whether that's women or minorities or anything. Uh, and we'll get there, but it's going to take a long time and it's going to take a ton of work. Um, so, so you mentioned, uh, that you have been thinking about like kind of the lack of women in the gaming industry and the treatment of women in these industries. Um, and part of that, like you said, is it goes along with sort of cultivating these skills in the young people. So do you, do you plan on teaching your daughter any programming things or any of those skills? Yeah. I'm trying to do a couple of things on that front. I have a suspicion that not being able to program and not being able, I think that, well, essentially programming and statistics Mm-hmm. Uh, I think are going to be the two big illiteracies of the 21st century. Mm. Um, and if you don't kind of understand, like you don't have to be Shakespeare, but if you can't at least read, then you're going to be at a huge disadvantage uh, as compared to people who can. And so I'm going to hopefully, hopefully my daughter is going to be literate in those fields. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to insist that she become proficient in them and, you know the way she decides, the way she decides to live her life is going to be up to her. Um, and you know, if it is, if the way she decides to live her life and the things she decides to learn really are up to her, that'll be a victory in itself. Uh, but I do think I want her to be literate in these fields, um, maybe because they've been important fields to me, and because you know I built a whole career out of that stuff. Uh, but maybe because 
you know, and maybe I'm flattering myself in thinking that the things that I that I do happen to be important. Uh, but I do think that you do have to understand that the way that computers work affects the culture around computers uh, and that the way computers work affect the culture around all of us uh, as well is an important thing. So I'm hoping that those I'm hoping that those two ideas take root. Yes, well, well said. I, th I think you. especially those of us in the digital humanities um, and the work I think we're all doing just uh, pretty much just banks on that idea of the inseparability of uh, sort of the cultural from the technological. Mm -hmm. like it's, it's, I think it's a bit of a truism that you can build some things with some tools. Uh, and so the decision of what tools you pick up is going to affect the things you can build and the change you can make in the world. Uh, and frankly, computers are basically everywhere and in everything now. So if you don't at least understand some fundamental part of that, that you are in a lot of ways uh, illiterate and in a lot of ways blind. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't think you need to have a deep understanding of say, you know, compiler design or, you know, integrated circuit design uh, to really uh, be literate in the field, but God, you need something. Like, you know, you need to be able to understand, if someone explains to you how traffic lights work, you've got to be able to speak to that in some kind of information you know, in, or in, in some learn it since uh, because otherwise you're just getting shuffled around by the traffic lights and you don't really know where you're going or why. Definitely. That's a really good way to put it too. Cause even outside of um, just the video, you know, game industry or anything like that, I currently work at a bank right now and I've become their like technology guru because I'm the only person who has any understanding of computers at all. And to me, it's so flabbergasting that they have no idea how these things kind of work. But um it's it's also painfully apparent that it is becoming so much more of an important thing, um, and there are people who are so outside of it. And and if anything, it's they're they're lacking of being a part of that conversation, and it's becoming so much more important for I mean, technology surrounds everything we do now. Mm -hmm. And it's so it's really important as a result that it's, that it not be allowed to become a priesthood, essentially. Yes. Uh, that uh, that you know, there's this one cadre of people, um, because at this rate, that cadre of people are probably going to be uh, white, male, living in Silicon Valley, and really ridiculously rich. Uh, and it turns out that that may not be representative of the broad swath of people who are affected by their decisions. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, who saw that coming, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Uh, so it's a real problem. And the fact that, I mean, what you were describing there is how my career started as well. Uh, I start very much so. I started my career as a systems administrator by just being the guy who could fix the printer. So pretty soon I was the guy fixing the printers. And then I could, you know, and then I could make the computers talk to the server. So um, pretty soon I was the guy making the computers talk to the server. And that was okay for a while until somebody had a problem with the server. And then I got sent to fix that. Right? And it all sort of snowballed from there. Um, but it was not, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I was fortunate in all of that, that because I had grown up in a family where we had, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, like an Apple IIc starting up, uh, I never thought of that as being sort of magic or voodoo. I thought it was a problem that needed to be understood and solved. Mm -hmm. uh, and I could approach it like that. And an awful lot of people to this day still don't see computers in that light. No. Right? It's, a, it's, a, it's a box with 
a wizard in it. <laughs> it's it's a scary box. A scary if you, box. If you do something, reasons, right. yeah, if you do something wrong, it's going to explode in your face. That's right. what and I've come to find. Don't touch it or change anything. I've I understand how this works, uh, but that's all. Like don't yeah, do yeah. Don't explore any other options that you have because it won't work. Right, and that fear of change is something that I'm hoping to avoid. In, well, I'm hoping to avoid it myself when I get old. I can already kind of feel that creeping in. Uh, but the uh, and it's the, the number of people who are getting who are on my lawn that number grows every day. It's appalling. <laughs> uh, but, the, um, uh, but that fear of change is, especially when you're confronted with technology, which is moving really, really quick, uh, can be paralyzing. Uh, and it's I think important that the people who are left in charge of those changes are not one class of people, uh, whatever that means, whether it means they're all sort of, you know, affluent Silicon Valley uh, VC or entrepreneurs or anything else. Uh, this has gotten to be a pretty big discussion, hasn't it? We strayed a little bit from video games. <laughs> uh, a little. So it's still that, applicable. Uh, but yeah, the gist of it is that this stuff needs to be changeable. Mm -hmm. uh, it needs, I think, to be accessible and changeable. And uh, that's true at the level of the culture as much as it is at the level of the uh, the technology. Well, kind of a good question, I think, to 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 bring it bring it back and start wrapping up because we we don't want to keep you too too terribly long. Um, you mentioned earlier that you were working on a game, a new um, perhaps, and a, a, what game are you working on right now? In terms of anything you might be modding. Uh, so the next big project that I'm uh, considering modifying. Uh, is another actually it's another zelda game uh and it's called majora's mask mm -hmm. uh Aww. which is a game that is dear to my heart uh because in majora's mask the interesting thing about that is that you're not really the hero of the story because the story doesn't really have a hero um mm -hmm. it's uh it's a game that takes the zelda idea and turns it on its head uh in that instead of having you be the hero and everything in that world revolving around you that it presents you as being the only person in this environment who can make the changes or the only person in this environment who can do anything, but it never says that you're the most important thing there. And the whole world basically ignores you, right? So you have this adventure that's basically an adventure of conscience mm -hmm. rather than an adventure of epic heroism where you're presented with these problems by people who have, and they're often not epic problems either. They're just problems by characters in the story, in the, in the game who have bad timing or bad communication and bad luck. And you've got to figure out how to help them, not because you're the hero of this story, but because you're the only person there who can. Uh, and so I have big dreams about whether or not that sort of lesson will take as well mm -hmm. that, you know, for my kid that, uh, that sometimes you need to just step up, not because it's all about you, but because you're the only person who can help uh, and we'll see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. Uh, you know, again, I'll talk to you in a couple of years and yeah. <laughs> tell you tell you how well that worked out. Uh, but I'm interested in it because it's a fascinating. Uh, it's a really fascinating game, and it takes a lot of the tropes of the series and turns them on their head in a way that that I find very uh, very actually very dark and very um, sort of mind expanding if you're willing to spend some time thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
It's a great one. I like that. Thank you very much. Uh, but when you talk about not having time, like you probably figured out by now that I will talk about this forever if you let me. <laughs> you know, you are you were in you are in good company then because so will we. <laughs> we get a little bit long winded sometimes. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> That's funny. That's why we, we try to be very kind of considerate of other people because once you get us started, we it's hard to get us to shut up. Uh, um, that's, uh, we true. should we should sit down sometime. Sometime when we're all in the same city, we'll just sit down and start rolling on this. <laughs> we, would never, we would never leave. <laughs> Fantastic. So what else can I tell you tonight? I'm I'm jumping back for a second, ladies. We had a couple of other questions that we've danced around, but anybody want to ask anything in particular? Well, kind of even just touching on what we were just talking about, it made me think even like, so when you are um, playing these games with your daughter, you are hoping that she's getting kind of real world consequences and morals. And I I mean, a lot of people, I think parents that are um, maybe ignorant to, what video games actually do have the potential to and focus more so on the violence aspect of everything don't realize that there are benefits to playing games or reading books even kind of immersing yourself in a world and and learning things from them so for you you do see that with your daughter that she's getting these kind of real real world um, experiences from them well i've so far we have uh we've done very little bit of those We've done very little bit of the uh, sort of moral choice stuff. The more, you know, the bigger, more complicated games uh, can be a little bit frightening. Uh, we mm-hmm. stuck to the simpler stuff. Mostly what I'm looking for now is agency, right? I want, and uh, let me tell you from personal experience that uh, telling your young daughter that she has a choice in what she's going to do is not without consequences. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as, as a parent. Because she leaves that, she, she leaves these games with the lesson that she has choices in whatever she wants to do. And then we have to have other conversations, like maybe it is bath time and you don't get to decide that tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, so that's kind of thing. Uh, but the other thing that is interesting about it is the number of ways that we can have a kind of fun or lighthearted fun in big open world games. Uh, together. One of the things that surprises a lot of people when I tell them this is that uh, Maya and I actually spend a lot of time playing Assassin's Creed. Really? Uh, yeah, right. Assassin's Creed 2. Fantastic game uh, because it's this great big open world game. She doesn't see any of the storyline. She doesn't see any of the, you know, the, the violence and the stabbing and sword fighting and so on. Uh, but there's a horse in it. So as far as she's concerned, this is a game where we can spend, a, you know, we can spend 40 minutes just wandering around uh, this wonderful old city, uh, and then riding a horse in the countryside for a while, yeah. and she thinks and she thinks it's great. You know, Dad, I want to I want to get off the horse. I want to get that other horse over there. All right, let's go ride that <laughs> other horse. Yeah, sounds good. That, that's uh, I wanna... us with dragon riding in Nino Cooney. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a good time, right, Dad? I want to I want to go climb that building now and then jump in the river. Okay, let's go do that. <laughs> uh, and so we can spend a couple of hours in what would otherwise be an absolutely unsuitable game for kids. Uh, having a bunch of light, harmless, sort of make-your-own-fun looking around at things. Yeah. Uh, and it's a good time. So I think that uh, I think that it's a little early for the moral choice stuff. We'll get there. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a couple of classic games here that I'm hoping she'll get to eventually. Who knows if she will? Um, her, you know, her 
tastes and hobbies may take her in other directions. Uh, but just the fact that you can take these things and spend a lot of time making your own fun uh, and, frankly, just sitting with your kid uh, instead of leaving them in front of a TV uh, and playing with them, um, I don't think that I'm going to regret doing that. Definitely not. Yeah, no, I I know exactly what you. I kind of had that, almost had that conversation with a parent at my daughter's school yesterday because she started talking about you know these characters and and things that she had done, and they were kind of looking like what what the hell is she talking about? I said, well, it's a video game that she and I play together, and the woman looked at me and she goes, oh, we don't play video games, and I said. Yeah, but you just sit, you just sat there and said, when you go home and make dinner, you sit your kid in front of the TV and she watches SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. yeah but you're going to look at me cockeyed because I just said yeah, that right. I, play, I play games with my kid. I'm interacting with mine. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, SpongeBob SquarePants is not a source of moral authority. In no way, shape, or form. <laughs> and, no. and I will tell you, oh, no, we don't play, we don't watch SpongeBob because we don't even allow SpongeBob toys in the house. I am so much not a fan of SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, I don't, I don't really know. We try and avoid things that, uh, we try and avoid things. One of the things that I've tried to convince my daughter of uh, now that she's sort of growing up is, you know, she occasionally has, Moods where she starts well fussing and crying and or upset about some things, uh, and I will remind her that, and this oddly enough has come up when we were watching uh, when we were reading Snow White, um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, uh, which is a bullshit story for a young girl. I should tell you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, and I she uh, ex, she asked me said Dad why do you not like this story, and it's the same story Maya it's the same story that. I tell you when I'm asking you to be calm and not to fuss and cry, right, is, pardon me here just for a second. Uh, So, Maya, babies don't get to choose things, right? This is the reason that I'm asking you to stay calm is so that you can stay calm and make choices, right? And you notice that little babies don't get to make those choices. They They don't get to decide what they eat or they don't get to decide where they go. And, and when, you know, we can't ask them questions and talk about that. I said, but if you look carefully at the Snow White story, you'll see that Snow White doesn't get to make a lot of choices either, right? She's supposed to be the hero of this story, but if you look very closely, the story treats her like a little baby the whole time. Um, and she sort of looked at me like, Dad, you're being weird. <laughs> but, but, you know, since then, we haven't been asked to... She hasn't asked me to read Snow White since. So, you know, who knows? Maybe that lesson will take. Yeah. Uh, but, again, it comes back to the idea that uh, I really, really want her to believe that she has agency in these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the only lesson that I'm hoping she takes out of it, if nothing else. If nothing else, that's going to be a win. I'm sure that I'm, I'm, sure that I'm cultivating a teenager here that's going to have a magnificent attitude problem. It's going to be great. <laughs> okay, Mike, let me tell you something. Mine has had that kind of attitude since she was very young, and I decided to cultivate it because mm-hmm. I, what I've always told myself is while these are the characteristics that make a phenomenal woman, they're going to make her teen years a living hell for me. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Gosh, that's, that's great news. Thanks. Um, I, 
No, I mean, and that's that's what I'm expecting here, right? Is I don't know how you raise a strong-willed adult uh, without getting, you know, getting through being a strong-willed teenager. Yeah. Uh, and if that's the price we got to pay for this, then fine, I'm in. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> well, you know, we'll see how it works. <laughs> we we may be commiserating in, in know, 20 right? years or so. Right. Not yeah, even that. In, in well, what, they're both I, about four. So in yeah, about sure, uh, sure. 10 years or so, we may be commiserating. Yeah, right. In, in a, call me back in a decade. We'll go drinking. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go drinking. And we can tell each other war stories. <laughs> oh, wow. It'll be a good time. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, it's it's exciting. Um, and it's really, it's really kind of terrifying to watch, uh, to be blunt, uh, having a little girl is uh, a real eye-opener for these things, because you suddenly start looking around thinking, mm -hmm. this is, this is, you know, this is nonsense, and this needs to change. And uh, you realize that you've got a ton of work to do, not just, you know, not just being a parent, but being an agent in the world. And it's a little bit scary, but, God, we've got to get it done. Yeah. yeah. So, is there anything else I can tell you guys tonight? Oh, it's not, we've been on this for an hour already. Uh, yeah, we have been. Well, I mean, I think I think that those are we've pretty much covered all the questions that we had. I mean, if there's anything else that you want to tell us, um, feel free to, because um, uh, we're really we're really looking forward to what comes next from Mike Hoy. I tell you, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> very kind to say so. You're very kind to say so. Uh, not at all. I just. Um, I'm sure you've heard this before, but you guys are doing really important work. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes from uh, from your work as well. Uh, aside from that, uh, I can't think of anything else that uh, I want to add to this. Do you guys have any other questions or anything you've been holding back? Well, I do have one more question. Will you come back after you finish your next game so we can talk about that? I would love to. Yes. Awesome. You being sneaky, Alex. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's recorded. That was... You can't back out. Nope. Yeah. That was subtle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Subtlety is what suit. we are best. Back yeah, exactly. no, that's true. <laughs> All right, listen, it's been great fun talking to you guys. Thank it you. It was very great fun talking yes, to you. Thank Thanks you so much, much for your time, Mike. So that was our interview with Mike Hoy. I we hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. Um, and so what we'll do is we'll wrap up with our usual deals for broke-ass gamers for this week. Um, there's some things that are on pretty good sale right now. You can always get a wonderful copy of Dragon Age Origins at Steam. Um, the, the Ultimate Edition for $7.49. Um, if you haven't played Dragon Age, you really need to play Dragon Age. Um, mm -hmm. It's a it's it's kind of a wild ride, right? To to think about a lot of issues of of both race and gender as well. Um, definitely one not to be missed. Um, the kind of kind of indie um, the indie sweetheart um, that lived only on PSN for a really long time. Popo Popo and Yo. Um, if you don't know this game, um, it's pretty it's a pretty great game about a little boy who. Um, has a monster friend um, that runs around with him, um, but his monster friend has a bad habit of eating poisonous frogs um, that make him like go crazy. Um, and but interestingly enough, what the story is actually about is a boy's relationship with his abusive father. Right? Hmm. Um, it's yes. on sale right now on Steam uh, because it finally got ported over to Steam uh, this month. Um, so for thirteen dollars and forty nine cents, you can uh, 
you can definitely pick up a copy of that. Um, I have not played that game in its entirety yet, but I will tell you it's definitely something you want to check out. Um, yeah. And on Amazon, there's not a whole lot because Amazon's running their crazy um, gold box deals. So you can get some things pretty cheap right now. Um, and But nothing really. You can get like Dishonored for 30 bucks if you haven't played Dishonored yet. Definitely not one to miss. Definitely um, played Dishonored. Me too. You, oh, you guys haven't either of you played that? Well, I, I started it. Before you played it. Oh, okay. You can get Disney Epic Mickey for $32.99, which it, in my opinion is $30. It's also, it's also $9.99, I think, on, uh, on uh, Gamefly. So. Oh, the first one or the second one? Epic Mickey 2. Yeah. Oh, see? Grab it there. Oh, it's no. It's not worth it. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said it for $30 too much. Yeah. My daughter likes the characters, but the gameplay is so bad that she won't play it. She just wants me to play it so she can watch it. Yeah, it's very terrible. Um, but it's it's cute. Sure. Somebody, if you could just watch somebody. Lots of things are cute. Yeah. Scorpions are cute. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, they aren't. <laughs> no, they're not. I said they're I'm terrifying. Kidding. They're cute in a terrifying way. Um, Anywho. Yeah. Not a whole lot of stuff that's on not great stuff. Well, I won't say not great stuff that's on Super Sale. Hey, there's uh, you know, of course the uh 30, 30 games for thirty days for thirty cents at uh at uh for the Nintendo Wii U in the uh eShops. That's always one sure, to pick so up. Hit that. play all the classics for thirty cents a piece. Indeed. There you go. Indeed. That's what you do this week. Um so that's it for us for episode 54. That's our interview with Mike Hoy. Um, We look forward to seeing you next time around. Remember, you can always contact us. Send us email at nymgamer at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at, at nymgamer. You can follow, you can friend us, you can or like us on Facebook and get all of our, our wonderful posts, right? So you'll know when the blog's been updated as well as when new episodes come. And it's all right there on Facebook because as we know, everybody's on Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> well, just about. Yeah. My um, mom isn't. Oh, Good. see? Good. Even my mom is, unfortunately. Yeah, I told her she can't have one. I'm glad my mom is. But what that's coming up in the Mother's Day episode, so we'll get to that. Yeah. There's going to be a special Mother's Day episode. Uh, <clears throat> so we have all those kind of great th- great ways to contact us. And, of course, our blog is nymgamer.com, where, you know, you get our regular uh, our regular posts that are pithy and funny and mm-hmm. sometimes sad. Um, yeah. <laughs> lots of great things to think <laughs> about. Oh. Definitely check it out. Um, and you can send us email, email us questions, comments, rage against the machine. Send us uh, audio, uh, audio mail slash voicemail or video mail. We take any kind of mail you got. Um, and we'd be happy to answer your questions um, on the show, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's about it. Yeah. So until next time. Uh, Stay warm, stay dry, and as always, game on. Game on.